Hello and welcome back to the Tech UK podcast. My name is Catherine Mays, Programme Manager for Cloud, Data Analytics and AI here at Tech UK. This month we'll be discussing all things AI, focusing not just on the existing benefits of the technology, but the practical next steps needed to ensure that the UK remains at the forefront of the data analytics and AI revolution. You may have seen also online that Tech UK recently hosted its AI campaign week, bringing together news, views and insights from across the tech sector on how organisations are using technology to revolutionise business productivity and transform people's lives. To find out more, check out Tech UK's website or on Twitter using the hashtag AI Week. Now we have a great lineup of interviewees, starting with Tabitha Goldstub, co-founder of COGEX and chair of the AI Council, Dr Mabasha Butt, CMO at Babylon Health and Yu Wang, principal 5G researcher at Samsung. So to begin, let's catch up with Tabitha. Very pleased to welcome Tabitha Goldstub, co-founder of Cognition X and chair of the UK government's AI Council. Hello. Thank you very much for joining us on Tech UK's AI podcast. To begin, I was wondering if you could tell us a bit more about uh, your two very exciting roles. So um, we set up Cognition X three and a half, four years ago now, with this mission to help people understand um, artificial intelligence and ensure that businesses can deploy AI responsibly um, and really as quickly as they need to for their business. And so we do that in a few different ways. Firstly, we have our expert network, which is where um, you can ask uh, as a business person any question you want and we will connect you with the right expertise. Uh, That, we believe, enables people to unlock Um, themselves if they're stuck and they don't know who to go to next Um, and we hope means that more innovation will happen across um, the UK and and the globe it's obviously a a platform that anybody can access we also have um, a festival called COGX um, which is kind of a physical version of that so you get to hear from experts you get to interact with them spend time really learning um, about how you can uh, benefit from artificial intelligence and so my, my other role in the AI Council is kind of similar. Uh, as the chair, I'm incredibly fortunate to be able to gather um, AI experts and make sure that they are able to give uh, advice um, and, and uh, suggestions to government, mm-hmm. specifically to the Office for AI, but also across government departments. Um, and it's um, it really is, as you say, you know, it's an exciting position to be in, and I, I absolutely love bringing that community together. Absolutely. And what would you say your are your kind of your current priorities at the moment in those two roles? Um, I I think if you look at how um, how the UK needs or what the UK needs in order to succeed, um, it it seems to consistently boil down to talent. So whether it's um, the skills um, that people need if they're going to actually build AI systems or the skills that they need if they're going to adopt them. And so the platform is really about getting people that knowledge and understanding. And then the work we do at the government is around trying to make sure that that we funnel the right talent into the right places and so Dame Wendy Hall is the skills champion and she's on the council and the work that we've been doing there around like the new AI masters or the PhDs places all of that is to try and um, catalyze more 
diverse as well, specifically, um, people with the skills in order to make sure that we can build more AI in this country. And I guess in your in your current role, you're as well very sort of well placed at looking at the current AI ecosystem. What do you see the UK excelling in at the moment? But also, where do you think we need to kind of improve as well? I think the answer to that is probably the same thing, which is the ecosystem here uh, and across Europe have really got to grips with the ethical considerations that AI poses. And that's great. I mean, it's really quite amazing to be able to be in an environment whereby um, we're not running fast and breaking things, but we are, I think, in the UK and across Europe, thinking quite carefully about what is the next regulation, what are the next things that we need. Um, and I think that is where the UK is is certainly excelling. Mm -hmm. uh, we've obviously got the history of um, of, of so much great AI um, uh, in this in this wonderful country and, and making sure we do it responsibly is important. I also have to say where we can improve is ensuring that we don't let that slow us down mm. because we also need to be the best country to build AI in general. Mm. And yes, that's got to be responsible, but we need to be careful about putting ethics ahead of um, making sure that we're doing uh, incredible work. It needs to be alongside mm. and those two things must come together. Absolutely. Um, and building on that, I guess, from your perspective, what do you see as the next steps needed to ensure that the UK remains at the forefront of this AI and data revolution? So I feel like I don't I feel like the answer has to be talent, as I just said. But equally, there are other things that we can be doing. So um, there are clever moves that I think we can play in terms of getting more adoption from the big tech, giant, the, you know, the big um, FTSE FTSE companies, it's all, all the way down to the SMEs. Mm -hmm. And I think that we should be realizing that AI is now at a stage in some product capacities where it can be used to um, increase revenues, reduce costs, delight customers. And we have to reduce the fear around mm -hmm. that. Um, sorry, not reduce the fear. We have to assail the fear. I, I don't think you can just re reduce it. I think you have to explain it enough so that then there is no, not the same reason to be fearful and then hope to unlock more, more, more adoption. Absolutely. And I guess finally, uh, my final question, what are you most excited for this year in 2019 and, and why? I am most excited about the increased focus that people now have on using artificial intelligence for climate change mm. and climate action and the other uh, UN Sustainable Development Goals. And I don't think we're there yet, but if I could ask for one thing to happen this year, it would be more people to point their tools, tech and talent at these big world problems that mm -hmm. we have uh, and see it as not just um, a social good, but see it as, uh, as a commercial benefit as well. And I think that would be my dream for this year. And so what I'm most excited about sounds a little bit arrogant is my own festival which is COGX <laughs> which is in June uh, it actually sounds very arrogant but which is in June uh, the 10th 11th and 12th of June where we're bringing together over 15,000 people from industry government and and academia um, together to have this conversation around the impact that AI is having on society uh, the impact it's having on individuals businesses how can we build um, more uh, safe, responsible AI in our companies, how do we get the talent, and uh, there will be a whole stage about how do we ensure that um, we are using AI to fight um, 
fight for climate action. So oh, I have to say that's what I'm probably most excited about. That, well, that does sound very exciting. And am I right in thinking this year it's going to be held in uh, King's Cross? It is. So we have um, we have expanded out of a one venue model, and mm-hmm. we are sitting across about. 20, 12 to 20 different venues across King's Cross. Uh, so uh, just up at the Coldrops Yard, new, um, beautiful new buildings uh, that have been created by Argent just north of King's Cross, yes, the station. Excellent. And I guess also for Tech UK members listening, um, if you check out our website, we also have some discount codes on there for members who would like to come along to COGEX uh, in June. Um, I'm afraid that's all we have time for today. So I want to say um, a big thank you to Tabitha for joining us on Tech UK's AI podcast. And we look forward to joining you at COGX very soon. Yes, good. <laughs> I can't wait. Thank you so much. Thank you. Now joining us on Tech UK's AI podcast is Chief Medical Officer Dr. Mabasha Butts. Hi, thanks Hi. for having me. Well, thanks for, thanks for joining us. So uh, to begin with, uh, would you mind telling us a bit about your role as CMO at Babylon Health? Sure. As Chief Medical Officer, I'm responsible for the clinical quality and safety of all of our technology products globally. Um, so this involves overseeing uh, teams of doctors in an um, ever-growing number of countries uh, who help us um, localise our products for the various different markets that we work in now. From your perspective and in your role at Babylon, how do you see AI technology transforming the healthcare sector in the UK, not just now, but also kind of in the near and long-term future? So I think AI is definitely going to be really transformative. It's already um, showing how transformative it can be uh, in healthcare and indeed many other industries. Um, But I think this is really going to be through augmenting clinicians rather than replacing Mm. them. Um, And as far as patients go, I think... This is, you know, a way that we can really make healthcare um, work for patients um, in in a way that um, is better than uh, than exists today. Um, I think either way, it's going to help pave the way for the NHS for the next seventy years of its mm-hmm. of its history. Um, and I think in the future, um, actually, these types of technologies will. Um, help improve safety by reducing some of the human factors that lead to er error. Um, I think uh, we've talked for a long time about personalised medicine, so these types of technologies will help us achieve uh, that mission. And I think what's really exciting is when we start thinking about the connectivity of uh, AI services. So if we think about AI-powered fridges, being able to talk to uh, an AI-powered healthcare service, suddenly you can see how we could help a diabetic patient um, seamlessly improve their diet. But of course, this needs to be done responsibly, and I think it's time to act now uh, um, when we're thinking about how services should connect and how data should connect. I'm interested in your thoughts on, um, I recently read a, a report called State of, uh, State of AI in 2019, which has been produced by MMC Ventures, which claims that the UK is the European leader in AI uh, when it comes to healthcare. I guess, why do you think this is so? And how do you think we can kind of in the UK re- retain this competitive advantage? Sure. Well, I think um, part of the reason 
uh, Europe is a leader in artificial intelligence in healthcare uh, is definitely to do with the UK. Uh, mm. And I hope that doesn't come across as biased, but uh, <laughs> of course the UK is certainly a powerhouse for all science in healthcare and, and certainly punches above its weight. Uh, we're ranked first in the world for research into some of the defining technologies for the next decade. So everything from genomics to robotics. Uh, we're also home to some of the best universities um, in, in Europe. So, um, but I think, you know, really important to stress that this success isn't something, it's not a given, it's not mm -hmm. automatic. Um, and so whilst we might be at the forefront of uh, scientific invention, um, I think it's because we've embraced change and actually uh, not allowed regulation to necessarily stifle uh, what we're doing, but really creating an environment, particularly here in the UK, uh, that really fosters creativity in this space. Mm -hmm. And do you think, kind of building on that, there's any kind of calls for action for kind of government or industry that, you know, you know need to happen in order to make sure that we retain this competitive advantage? Well, I think we're already doing uh, stuff in that regard. So um, if you think about things like the AI and data, a grand challenge, um, the, the UK will use data, um, AI and innovation to transform uh, the prevention, early diagnosis and treatment of diseases like cancer, diabetes, heart disease uh, and dementia all by 2030. So I think these types of initiatives um, definitely um, will be really key. Uh, of course, you know, we know that things like late diagnosis of um, otherwise treatable illnesses uh, are one of the biggest causes of avoidable deaths. So really important that we start thinking about how to use technology to uh, improve this situation. Okay. I completely agree. Um, and I guess now touching on some of the inherent difficulties with, with the technology, with AI, is trying to explain the outcomes of, of AI-based decisions to, I guess, clients or in your case, maybe patients. This is obviously a really difficult issue to, or you know, challenge to tackle. But how at Babylon do you try and overcome this challenge? So in AI, um, there's often this concept of a black box, but mm. we don't want to do that in healthcare uh, for understandable reasons because we want to be able to explain. Uh, why the AI is providing the advice that it does. Uh, and of course, that's very important to, to both clients and patients, as you say. Um, and I think really important to stress that um, the AI that we're using, for example, in healthcare, um, isn't self-learning. Um, actually, it's any changes would always need approval from our doctors. So there is a clinical control process because people often worry about that, mm. um, thinking, you know, will the AI somehow become rogue mm. uh, and start making decisions that we wouldn't want it to do? But um, there are control processes in place um, for that. Um, and I think from a patient point of view, um, context is key. So um, we use um, feedback and in all sorts of formats to really drive the design of our technology and actually building technology with patients at the heart of that really helps to ensure that um, people do understand why particular outcomes are being suggested um, once you give them the context. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Yeah, so keeping humans in the loop, I guess, is, a, is a fundamentally key and also, I guess, um, just making sure that the patients understand the context in which those decisions are being made. Absolutely, yes. Excellent. And I guess finally, um, in, your, in your current role as a CMO at Babylon, what are you most excited for this year in 2019 and why? 
So one of the reasons I went into healthcare was to try and make a difference to patients, uh, and not just uh, at an individual patient level, um, but at a population level. And I think one of the most exciting things that we're doing is um, helping bring this technology to uh, not just patients here in the UK in the NHS, um, but now actually to patients globally. We're working uh, with countries all over the world, across Southeast Asia, the Middle East, North America, um, and by the end of this year, um, this technology uh, and AI empowering healthcare will be the, in the hands of uh, patients all over the world. And to, to be able to see that work come to fruition is mm -hmm. um, hugely exciting and really rewarding. Absolutely. So we look forward to seeing Babylon Health sort of getting more of a global reach by the end of this year. Absolutely, yes. Well, Mabasha, thank you for your time today. It's been a pleasure having you on Tech UK's AI podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by Yu Wang, Principal 5G Researcher at Samsung UK. You welcome to Tech UK's AI podcast. Thank you. To kick off, could we uh, maybe start with a bit about your role at Samsung? Um, in Samsung UK, I work in a 5G team in the uh, standardization and the industry affair group. Um, as a principal 5G researcher, I work on the technologies and innovations for 5G networks and systems. Um, so this also includes the standard activities in ATSI and work on the European research projects on 5G. Um, so for example, I lead uh, or work together with consortiums of industry and academia partners uh, in different projects and they put together new proposals. Um, in the last couple of years, my research has been focused on AI for 5G and beyond, and I've set up some internal and external collaborative researches in this area. Um, I'm the Samsung delegate of uh, at CENI uh, and secretary and the rapporteur of this industry standard group. Uh, to complete the picture, I also sit in the industry advisory board of two universities and is the industry supervisor of a five-year research program. Okay. I'm guessing there's probably never been a more interesting time to be working in this area. Oh yeah, yeah, it's exciting time. <laughs> Absolutely. And I guess from your perspective, you, how important is 5G in ensuring that the UK fully benefits from AI technology? Uh, well, I think 5G is critical in this perspective. Um, you know, for UK to fully benefit from the AI technologies, we need to overcome the barriers on the AI, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in all different sectors. Um, there are some common barriers we're talking about here. So, for example, the data issues and the computational power on a single device. Um, you know, because of the limitation of the computational power, storage of data, and also because of the need of accessing the global data set for AI, now, in lots of the cases, storage of data and training happens at the cloud or the edge. So the network bandwidth and latency becomes critical, you know, because it determines the capability of uh, passing the large amount of data and making real-time decisions and analytics. Um, a lot of the AI applications we talk about today, uh, for example, VR, AR, and some more future-looking ones, uh, connected cars, robotics, are all relying on the extremely low latency and high throughput of the network, uh, which will need the 5G infrastructure in place. Okay, so 5G fundamentally important then for, for AI adoption and deployment in the future. Yeah. I actually recently read um, a, a piece of work from your colleague describing 5G as the oxygen of AI, which I thought was a really nice way of phrasing it. Yeah. 
And I guess looking forward, how do you predict that AI and 5G will kind of work together in the future to create new products and tools and services? Uh, well, I think AI and 5G will be closely combined in the future. And I think we'll see lots of cases where both AI and 5G technologies need to work together to enable the new future intelligent products and services. Mm. Uh, from the data perspective, 5G means the connection of a uh, you know, massive amount of devices. Um, so a large amount of data will be generated by uh, sensors, cameras, uh, cars, drones, and a lot of them will be from the mobile network. Now, whether that is too much data and mm. how to make sense of data is another problem, mm. uh, but it just uh, really provide a um, nice big databases needed to facilitate AI. Uh, we also see the need of uh, leveraging 5G technologies in order to provide the uh, new AI-driven services. So, for example, fleet management um, to reduce the cost of uh, fuel and staff in a transportation company mm. will need to leverage the V2X technologies and uh, telematics in the network. Um, because myself, I work on the uh, 5G networks, there is also one interesting feature of 5G. Uh, I think it's the uh, service-based architecture. Uh, so in the past, they, the operators will build their network, operate it, and maintain it uh, as the infrastructure provider. Um, with a service-based architecture, uh, the operators now become a service provider, and it will allow the third parties to develop and deploy softwares in the 5G network, leveraging the 5G core open APIs. So in a way, the network can act as a service platform mm -hmm. for other industries to uh, and third-party companies to access. So this, to me, really creates lots of new opportunities of building the new AI-driven services on top. Uh, so in the fleet management example we just mentioned, a third-party company can actually build a new AI-driven platform to work with the 5G network and then produce the uh, intelligence needed for the transportation company. So those are how 5G works for AI. Mm. Uh, one important aspect that I think has probably been less talked about is the use of AI to help 5G network. Um, 5G has lots of nice new technologies, but it is also a very complicated network, uh, especially when we need to dynamically adapt the network according to the different requirements of the different customers. Uh, one new trend of technologies we have seen is the use of AI to help with the network operation and the management. So from this perspective, the use of AI is essential uh, to optimize the network operation and service orchestration, uh, especially in real time. Uh, and also to reduce the network operational cost. Um, and I believe we'll see lots of uh, uh, you know, new technologies, tools, products around this space in the coming years as well. Interesting, so it's not just 5G enabling AI, it also works kind of the other way with AI being able to facilitate um, 5G adoption and deployment as well. Yes, exactly. Interesting. Yeah. And I guess, how do you think we, and, and I say we as, as industry, I guess, um, ensure that we make the most of combining these two really powerful technologies? Uh, well, there, there are lots of things the industry can do. I think some are probably more related to the technical perspective, um, some probably not as such. 
Um, take the example of uh, uh, you know what we just discussed on AI helps the network. Um, I think lots of the early works has shown the potential significant benefit of using AI from this perspective. Um, but at the same time, we also see uh, some significant challenges that hinder the adoption of AI in 5G networks. So if I could name the two biggest challenges here, uh, I think, um, is data and the confidence. So um, in terms of data, you know, there are technical issues uh, because the network is so large scale and heterogeneous, getting and processing the data is quite a lot of effort. Um, but there are also non-technical issues. To start with, the network operation data is very difficult to acquire. Um, there is always, you know, private concerns, regulations, GDPR, etc. I believe this is not just in telecommunication industry. You know, other sectors, for example, healthcare, will be facing the same issue. Um, one way to do this is probably to provide aggregated data. You know, that those kind of data that does not contain the sensitive private information, etc. Um, but I think the industry really need to have that mechanism in place. Um, you know, in order to facilitate the acquisition and uh, the access of data. In terms of confidence, um, I think partially this is because of the back box nature of AI. Uh, because we are not entirely clear what exactly is going on inside the AI modules, we're not hundred percent sure. Um, you know that AI will do what we want them to do, um, and this is especially a problem when it is using critical uh, infrastructures, for example, five G. Um, there are some technical solutions for this, uh, for example, developing AI with uh, traceability and transparency, um, but these are at the early stage of uh, research. Now. The reason of lack of confidence in the AI solutions for network, I think, is that, um, uh, well, at the moment, uh, the AI solutions are not fully uh, developed, uh, validated, and uh, integrated to the network. Um, and lots of the solutions are now scalable, so uh, meaning that specific solutions are designed for specific part of the network and specific problems and applications. So in an operator's network, what you don't want to see is to, uh, for example, deploy one set of AI solutions for one problem uh, and deploy another set of AI solutions for another problem. Um, especially, you know, they can be from different vendors and uh, it is difficult to cross-benchmark because data set is different. So, so I think the industry really need to have this strategy in place, uh, for example, to allow the reuse of the machine learning models and the data, and to be able to scale and validate and integrate the solutions in a common platform. So, so this is what I call the scalable and the deployable AI for 5G networks, which I think is a key to the market. Um, so th this, of course, need the uh, capability of utilizing data uniformly across the network, uh, common tools and platforms for the uh, proper validation and integration. Um, and I think this will, in turn, bring uh, kind of revolutionary changes to the current 5G network. Okay. So for industry, it's all about data and getting a house in order, making sure you've got good quality data and also just the confidence to start using this technology, which yeah. is um, yeah. hopefully something uh, here at Tech UK we can, we can help with. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think there are kind of lots of talks around the uh, change of culture, mm -hmm. you know, talents across the uh, different industry domains as well. Um, but to me, if we can build some, uh, you know, reliable and trustworthy AI, um, that will actually help to, uh, like a first step, which helps drive the change of culture. Absolutely. That's, that's music to my ears to hear that. And I guess finally, so my final question for you is, in your, in your role as principal 5G researcher um, at Samsung, 
what are you most excited for this year and, and why? Um, I see the rapid growth of the application of AI in 5G networks in the past few years, uh, and I think it's going to continue growth this year and in the coming years. Um, we, we are at the front to uh, join forces to tackle the uh, significant challenges that, that we are facing today, for example, the data issues, the scalability, and the deployability of the AI solutions. Um, and I think we are really going to see how these can fundamentally change how AI are currently being developed for 5G networks, and are really going to see how this can drive the new innovations and technologies, uh, both in AI and 5G. Um, so as a researcher myself, I'm really excited to be part of it mm. and see it happen. A lot of exciting stuff in the pipeline. Yep. Well, that just leaves me to say a huge thank you to you for coming along today. I've really enjoyed our chat and I really look forward to following your progress in the future. Thank you very much. Thank you. That brings an end to this month's Tech UK AI podcast. Thank you so much to all my guests. However, the conversation doesn't have to stop here. If you'd like to find out more about the issues raised, please visit the Tech UK website and get in touch. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.